desperately wants to be in your house. Concrete Man. Aqualads and Aqualasses, why have yourself a Merry Christmas when you can have a no-holes-barred Christmas? Uh, Vince, uh, I thought I told you to go back to your room. Hey, everybody, how's it going? It's Johnny C, and we're back for a special Aquatober edition of Concrete Man. And while the rest of the Aqua Cave might be shrouded and veiled in the darkness that is Halloween, here in Concrete Man, ho, 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 well, it's time for a different season. It's time for a season's beatings, because yes, it is true. On the concrete-laced journey, we have come to the in-your-house variant from December of 1995. In your house, season's beatings. Now, if you've been paying attention on Concrete Man, you know that we took a, a few a few turns off the beaten path, if you will. After the Great White North, things got a little dark for Vince, so maybe he was experiencing Aquatober all the way back in 1995. So we checked in with Vince in Brandon, Manitoba, and then again at the Wild Card match at the Survivor Series. And, you know, Shawn Michaels was back, and I think Vince was feeling a little bit better. But the bad news, the darkness that hangs over this December in your house pay per view, Shawn Michaels, the victim of a vicious assault from an Owen Hart on the November 19th, I think it was, whatever, edition of Raw, uh, the famous sketch where Shawn Michaels is knocked unconscious with a concussion uh, until, of course, he reveals to the world at the Royal Rumble 1996 press conference that he has decided to enter his name into the many names that will participate in the Royal Rumble in Fresno. Yeah! All right, Shawn! Yeah! You know, at that Royal Rumble press conference. Uh, so, no Sean tonight. But, it is the season for giving. And I'm going to give you the latest edition of Concrete Man. We start with an opening video. It's the special time of the year. A time for giving and joy. But not for the Hart family. Brett versus his brother-in-law, the British Bulldog. A man Brett has never beat. And then Todd Pettengale delivers a very Vince McMahon-esque sentence by saying, The Bulldog once defeated Brett in front of 80,000 frenetic fans at Wembley Stadium. The video starts to peak. As you can tell from the music, Tonight, two men stand apart. One family stands divided. Tonight. It'll be more like season's beatings for the Hart family in your house. Brilliant moment here, as when Todd says, in your house. The video is ending, and it's a freeze frame on Diana Hart doing the Home Alone with her face, because she's doing the, ah, you know, like the fucking aftershave burns face. And it fades and transitions directly to the in your house cartoon intro. It seems that the pesky in-your-house logo is finally about to get a taste of his own medicine. We are at his house, and it is snowing. Someone assaults the door with snowballs. The in-your-house logo opens the door and angrily shakes his fist at these hooligans. He then slams the door. The snowball-tossing hero throws four more snowballs in rapid succession. The logo opens the door once again, and the hero throws one more snowball inside the house. 
you reap what you sow in your house logo. Welcome, everyone, says Vince. And, of course, I always watch this with the closed captions. And Vince's, welcome, everyone, gets the indistinct treatment. So I like that. It's Vince and the King tonight, no JR, so that leaves more opportunities for in-your-house commentary-related shenanigans. Yes, Jerry the King of the holiday season is unquestionably in the air tonight. What about Bret Hart and the British Bulldog tonight? What about Santa, who's already here? What? Yes, Vince lets us know right from the get-go that uh, the holiday season is unquestionably here. And while he is excited for the championship match, he's excited for Santa, who's already here. Furniture alert! Santa, unquestionably, is going to be giving out lots of toys, and he brought his sleigh along, and all that kind of stuff, and soon he's going to be coming down everyone's chimney! First of all, a furniture alert here on Concrete Man is when someone says something that is related tangentially to a house. This is the chimney, of course, but I love, love, love how Vince is excited for Santa. He tells us that Santa, unquestionably, is here, and he brought his toy, he brought lots of toys, and he brought his sleigh, and all that kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, I just fucking love it. It's just, it's so Vince. We then cut the footage of Santa, who is in the arena, handing out stuff to some kidsters. Jerry Lawler promises that the bulldog uh, will go down Bret Hart's throat tonight, just like how Santa goes down the chimney. King also lets McMahon know he's got a big surprise tonight. Ha-ha! Even the king in holiday spirit is going to be a big Christmas present. I can feel it unquestionably. Jesus Christ, folks. I knew that Vince loved the word unquestionably, but come on. That's the third time he has said unquestionably, and the pay-per-view has been on for two minutes and ten seconds. That two minutes and ten seconds includes the opening video and the in-your-house cartoon shenanigans. So... When Vince McMahon said, Welcome, everyone! It was 1 minute and 15 seconds. Here at the third, unquestionably, it's 2 minutes and 10 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a some sort of a record. 3 unquestionably's and 55 seconds. However, speaking of uh, the Christmas time, here comes the personification of Scrooge McDuck, the main Norman, Ted DiBiase. Vince kind of mixing his metaphors a little bit here. See, Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales, and other things, of course, is stingy all the time. Ebenezer Scrooge, a charlatan from A Christmas Carol, is stingy all the time as well, but is changed in the magical narrative of A Christmas Carol by the power of Christmas. Now, Ernest once saved Christmas, and I'm not sure that has anything to do with this, but I do believe that, unquestionably, Vince gets the point across, but I think he meant Ebenezer Scrooge, not Scrooge McDuck, but here comes the one, two, three, Sid... That's right, it's the 123 Kid and Sid, or the Kid and Sid, which I like as their tag team name, uh, accompanied by Ted DiBiase, of course. Let's take you back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes! Now, I only mention that line specifically because Vince says, yes, at the end. And I wanted to get that point across because, based on the unquestionablys and the yes, I'm thinking that Vince might be feeling better than he has been lately. Because when he does indeed say, Yes! All he's doing is queuing up some footage from the Survivor Series. We see the 123 Kid turning heel against Marty Jannetty. And then we also see the Kid interfering in the wildcard match against Razor Ramon. Their opponents... Wow! The screeching tires are here we go! Oh yeah! Vince is absolutely alive. I have never heard anyone have such a reaction to the beginning of Razor Ramon's theme song. It's like, 
oh yeah, the tires are screeching, here we go. Like, it's just such a pivot. It's amazing, and I love it. The Kid and Sid are taking on Razor Ramon and Marty Chidetti. Razor and Marty come down the aisle in some matching leather jackets. I'm assuming they got one another these things for Christmas and were just surprised when they opened the boxes and it had the same fucking thing in it. We see Goldust watching from the crowd. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Goldust came out prior to In Your House's Beginnings. Now, that is Vince's first In Your House of the Evening, and he does use the phrase properly, but the way he says it, it sounds like In Your House Beginnings might be the subtitle to an upcoming In Your House that actually never existed. Razor Ramon, in the ring now, summons his pyro. Yes! The bad guy! And Marty Jannetty! Getting ready to lock up with the one, two, three kid! And Psycho Sid, in tag team action! All right, Vince, you got me there, you sneaky, you sneaky bastard. You certainly did. But then he says, oh yeah! Gonna rock the house for sure! Which, hilarious, but I will also take it as a pseudo in your house. The King mentions that Goldust has an usher with him here tonight. Uh, We cut to the crowd, and we do indeed see the usher. There's a few seconds of silence. And then Vince, looking at the usher, says, Yeah, I guess that's what that is. We get a nice wide shot of the arena. And Vince McMahon chuckles. Ha ha! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is a hog pen you see there. Oh my god, I forgot all about the hog pen match. Truly, the season's beating is a gift to all of us here in this Aquatober. All right, all the combatants in the ring now. Looks like we are going to get started. Marty Jannetty of the 123 Kid Prime to start. Marty Jannetty points at Razor Ramon, asking the crowd if they want to see the bad guy get down with the kidster. The crowd erupts. All right, who should start? Go ahead. However, the 123 Kid attacks Marty, and we're off and rolling. Marty Jannetty, later in the contest, hits a stiff clothesline. Vince yells, what am a clothesline? The one, two, three kid is talking some smack. Uh, King says that the kid is doing some serious mouthing. Vince replies, yes, he does that very well. Especially standing behind Psycho Sid. Now, I get exactly what these guys are actually talking about, but I'm going to pretend they're talking about something else that the one, two, three kid does with his mouth behind Psycho Sid. And I'm going to move on. Razor and the Kid are finally both legal, but the Kid quickly brings in the monster, Psycho Sid. And the match slows down quite a bit because when Marty and the Kid were in there, it was very fast-paced. Vince, later, gets furious at the referee for allowing heel double-teaming. Come on, ref, get in there! Jerry the King Lawler says that Razor can easily slide down chimneys, so we get a furniture alert! He's able to slide down these chimneys easily because of all of his hair grease. All right, let's be nice and get into the holiday spirit. Marty Jannetty and the 123 Kid tag in. I notice a Marty Must Die sign on the hard camera, right at ringside. Must be his daughter. Marty Jannetty, during this match, it should be noted, does a somersault off the top rope into a Stone Cold Stutter slash Diamond Cutter slash RKO from the top rope. It is quite impressive. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Todd Pettengale, you're with Goldust. Todd, take it away. It's true. Todd is in the crowd in Goldust, with Goldust, and uh, in Goldust's private box. Uh, there's a joke there, but I'm going to leave it. Todd sounds so very sad while starting this interview. Uh, yeah, Vince, uh, I tried to talk to Goldust during the Sunday Night Slam uh, when he was making his way to this box. Uh, 
Gold dust, wh- why are you here? Look at him, oozing machismo. That masculine, muscular, hairy chest. He makes my flesh sweat. Goldie then passes Todd a note and tells him to pass this one along to Razor. Oh, okay, back to you, Vince. Thank you. That was, uh, different. I guess we know why Goldust is here. Uh, most bizarre. Marginetti, tremendous competitor. Marginetti, teaming up with the bad guy, Razor Ramon, and they just might continue the team together if they are successful tonight in your house. Vince later says, nothing doing, when the 123 kid misses a maneuver. Side note, this isn't really important, but I- I've never really heard the phrase, nothing doing. And back when football season started, like in the beginning of September, here in the Aqua Cave, I did an episode of Bright Man where I covered the first XFL game that was called by uh, JR and the King. Now, both JR and the King during the game said that phrase a lot. And it was always on plays when nothing happened, like a, a incomplete pass or, you know, just no yards gained or anything. They'd be like, oh, well, nothing doing for the Orlando Rage. Is this some sort of incestuous phrase passed around in Stanford, Connecticut by the World Wrestling Federation employees? Or am I just out of the loop? Hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C and let me know. Nice double team by the 123 Sid here. Sid whips the kid into the turnbuckle and kid dropkicks Marty Jannetty. Marty steps out of the turnbuckle. Sid rushes in with a clothesline and Marty does the Rikishi sell. Now, Marty might be doing the Rikishi cell, uh, but Vince McMahon doing the Goodfellas cell here on commentary. Oh, forgot about it. Vince wonders then why Sid would put a nerve lock or nerve hold on Marty Jannetty after this clothesline instead of going for the pin. Well, it comes down, notwithstanding, who is this superlative individual athlete? It comes down to teamwork here tonight in your house. Finally, Razor gets the hot tag. He goes up to the rope, top rope and hits a bulldog on Sid. One, two, no. Wait, three? One, two, three? What the fuck? Oh, that is some weak sauce. Razor does get the pin after this, like, middle rope bulldog. A Sid, if you will recall, in the wildcard match also got eliminated like a bitch. He has not been looking good as of late. Razor Ramon tries to get the kid in the Razor's Edge, but Sid saves, and they bail. It's a lame finish to, honestly, what was a pretty lame match to me. However, Vince was A-OK with this bad boy. What a way to kick off the holiday season in your house. Vince then yells some more on commentary. I'm not able to understand it, nor is the individual responsible for closed captioning, as they just type indistinct. But I wanted to understand what he said. I reviewed it, and upon further review, the ruling on the field is, Vince McMahon said, POSTERS ALL OVER THE PLACE, YAS, THE BAD GUY. (laughs) It is true, the ringside fans do have a lot of signs, but also, and I'm just now seeing this, a lot of people in the front row on the hard cam side, sitting in a row, together, clearly playing this, they all have on ECW t-shirts. This is in Hershey, Pennsylvania uh, as well. So close to Philadelphia, I guess. Not really a Pennsylvania uh, uh, enthusiast, so I don't really know. Goldust in the crowd fans himself with a program. Uh, We then see Sonny 
from 1995, and I borrow the program from Gold Dust, and I start to fan myself. It looks like Sonny and Raymond Rougeau are going to be manning the superstar line. Ted DiBiase, the kid, and Sid all arrive over on the tiny corner of the screen where Sonny is, and Ted immediately picks up the phone of the superstar line, and he's like, I can't believe it! What happened? I want to hear that that full conversation. Where Sonny's like, well, hey, I'm glad you called the superstar line. We're here in your house. I can't believe it! What happened? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the WWF Superstar line is wide open. Back in the arena now, and it's time for our next match with the ring announcer, who's all like, Introducing first, from Knoxville, Tennessee, weighing at 230 pounds, Nature Boy, Buddy Rydell! Wait, what? Buddy Rydell? Is he from Greece? I thought it was Buddy Landell. And the next match is scheduled to be a Dean Douglas taking on an Ahmed Judson. Get down, get funky. And oh boy, I think we have a fuck-up, fans. Vince confirms this when on commentary he says, What in the world is going on here? I don't think he has any idea what he's doing out there. It's true, he doesn't. But allow me to explain so you understand the context of what's actually happening here in our house. So, in order to simplify this whole thing about this errant ring announcement, let me just, let me just lay out the actual scripted uh, sequence of events that was supposed to happen. Long story short... King is supposed to bring Double J back to the WWF. King and Double J will then do commentary for the next match, which is scheduled to be, as of showtime, Ahmed Johnson taking on Dean Douglas. Now, in real life, Dean Douglas is injured. He's supposed to come out and say that Ahmed Johnson has to wrestle his student. And if he wins, maybe Dean Douglas will wrestle him at another show. Dean Douglas is then supposed to introduce Nature Boy Buddy Landell as a surprise. So the ring announcer, knowing to introduce Buddy, destroys the illusion that this was all an off-the-cuff heel tactic designed by Dean Douglas. Anywho, Jerry the King Lawler gets in the ring. His mullet is worthy of the death of Superman version of Superman. Seriously, it is out of fucking control and hangs out of the bottom of his crown like an evil fucking hair tentacle. I don't fucking know what else to call it. He brings back Double J Jeff Jarrett to little reaction. Speaking of reactions, I'm having a positive reaction to Vince on commentary because he's all alone and this whole segment, it's it's basically like just his inner monologue, like he's talking to himself. Some highlights include, don't tell me. Well, I'll be a son of a gun. It is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Well, I think that's a Christmas present we could have lived without. Hasn't lost his touch as far as the strut's concerned. Double J, walking those notes. I love how Jeff Jarrett always sounds like he's doing an infomercial when he does his interviews. Uh, Jeff Jarrett indicates it's time for the Greater Than Great Tour. The King awards Double J a framed gold CD for selling half a million albums. Double J then declares himself into the names that will be participating at the Royal Rumble in Fresno. Yeah! Yeah, Jeff! Uh, Ironically, he won't even be in the Rumble, so whatever. The King then invites Double J to come do some commentary. Vince is like, what? What? Sure enough, here comes Dean Douglas. The ring announcer, as he announces him, now sounds very defeated and cucked. I kind of enjoy it. And hey, here's a fun side note that I'm just now noticing. Uh, The hog pen taking up some 
precious arena space, has created a scenario where the ring entrance is actually behind the hard cam? It's quite fascinating. I, I, I racked my brain. Of course, MSG always has unique entrances and sort of the pre, uh, you know, era of this time period doesn't really count because they are always having weird kind of things. But I can't think of any show off the top of my head that does this, period. WWFE-wise, that is. So, yeah, history being made here in your house. Jeff Jarrett and the King tell Vince to lay off commentary. They will handle it. Jarrett then laughs when Vince says Ahmed Johnson twice in one sentence. Jarrett's like, huh, I ain't never heard of that guy. My God, fans, as D. Douglas is getting ready to pontificate in the ring on the microphone, we get a close-up of a fan that clearly hates Dean Douglas. This gentleman has a trash stash, and he's wearing a very tacky Brett Hitman Hart t-shirt. He yells, and I quote, Hey, Dean, boo! Hey, Dean, boo! Now, of course, I could hear this gentleman clear as day. But if you couldn't hear him, don't worry. Because what's crazy about this fan is that his audible distaste for Dean Douglas makes the closed captioning. Like the closed captioner adds this man's unscripted words to the presentation as if it's an official part of the show. Congratulations, kidster! With a trash stash that's an adult. You are an official WWE character. And you know what? You might have a horrible mustache and an ugly t-shirt. But color me a little jealous. Dean Douglas lets us know that doctors have done what no wrestler can do. Sideline Dean Douglas. He's got a back injury that's at about 65% efficiency. (gasps) Oh no. Does this mean that Randy Orton stole the precious, beloved RNN gimmick from Dean Douglas? No! I refuse to believe this. Don't tell me! He's going to check it out? Well, no, Vince, it sounds like a legitimate injury. But, uh, you know, it sounds like you would rather have your uh, independent contractors perform against doctor's orders. But Dean has a new student. Gee, I wonder who it could be. My God! That's that's Ric Flair's music! It is the classic 1991-93 Ric Flair uh, 2001 ripoff. And Vince is like, Buddy Landell? I'm so surprised he's here! Well, he doesn't actually say that, but you know. Vince then asks the heels a couple of questions about these recent turn of events. Uh, Jerry King Lawler, uh, what do you know about Buddy Landell? King begins to answer. He says, Well, Ahmed Johnson's music suddenly starts. A boom, boom. Boom, boom. So the whole sequence sounds like this. Because Vince, based on the music cue, refuses to let King pontificate further because Ahmed is here. All right, uh, what do you know about Buddy Landell? Well, boom, boom, never mind, we're going to find out, because here he comes, yeah, there's a stir coming from this capacity crowd, here he comes, ah, Matt, Johnson, take a look at him, what do you think of Ahmed now? Uh, Jarrett mentions he's appalled by his earring, he's all business, Double J, all he wears to the ring is tats, you got it, here we go, uh, Dean Douglas slaps Ahmed Johnson in the face, Buddy Rydell attacks from behind with some woo chops, and we're underway. 
Jeff Jarrett says that Ahmed Johnson looks kind of mad. Oh, no, he was just born that way. Doesn't mean anything by it. Oh, Ahmed Johnson, it's okay. You were born this way. You constantly look pissed off, and that's a-okay. A buddy Rydell climbs the middle turnbuckle. He jumps off and gets caught in a main event spine buster. Uh, folks, here's some amateur audio that I found that was captured live from the arena during the spine buster. Pearl River Plunge. One, two, three. Uh, when Vince yells, Pearl River Plunge, the closed captioner calls it the Pearl River Punch. And that amuses me. Dean is out by the ring apron and he has his head hung in shame so he's not paying attention and gets spanked by his own board of education by one Ahmed Johnson. King and Jeff Jarrett are mad because they claim Ahmed Johnson didn't wrestle fair, so the King decides to interview Ahmed Johnson. Vince, however, Ahmed Johnson, I believe with an in-your-house victory record. I guess he's referring to the speed, but, uh, you know, an in-your-house victory record is quite unblemished here by Ahmed Johnson. So we've got a couple of Southern wrestlers here, that being Jeff Jarrett and Jerry the King Lawler, about to interview Ahmed Johnson. I'm sure this will go well. Jeff Jarrett says he wasn't impressed by Ahmed's actions. The King then mocks Ahmed Johnson's public education. Ahmed Johnson, folks, he snaps and grabs the microphone. Let me tell you something, you achy breaky wannabe. You fake! You fake cowboy! You urban cowboy! You fake! I want you fake to just be something that society takes from this episode of Concrete Man and just uses it to insult individuals with no context. Like if a cat, like if you're at the U scan at a grocery store and you can't get the thing to scan, and the cashier's like, um, sir, do you need some assistance? Just be like, you fake! Or not. I mean, you know, it just depends how you want to spend your weekend. Perhaps in a little bit of trouble, maybe filling out some paperwork at a local establishment uh, that contains bars, or if you just want to purchase your items and leave. The choice is yours. Jeff Jarrett doesn't like this uh, shade that's been thrown by Ahmed Johnson and shatters the picture frame he was just awarded all over Ahmed Johnson's skull. They then ram this poor man's head into a chair, and it looks very painful. Vince, once again, all alone on commentary. Uh, he describes this vicious assault the following way. No! All those loud noises are Ahmed getting jostled around. So let's start this over. No! No! No, no! Ahmed Johnson, however, decides to eventually no-sell all of this offense. He goes over to grab the chair that was once used to assault his dome. Jeff Jarrett pursues, and they trip over one another. It's quite comical. They then awkwardly fight in the aisle. They reach a stalemate and decide to call it a day and casually, awkwardly, non-violently walk backstage. Todd! Todd, Todd Petgale, did you see this? We then cut to Todd, who is indeed in the America Online chat room with Razor Ramon. Uh, Todd totally no-sells the Ahmed Johnson-Jeff Jarrett confrontation. He's like, tomorrow night, Razor Ramon, you're defending the Intercontinental Championship against Yoko Zona. Razor Ramon responds with a simultaneously awkward and genius use of brand synergy. Journal, 
America Online, tomorrow night, Monday Night Raw, I'm going to put my most precious gold online. Big Yoko, you want it? All you gotta do, man, is take it. Todd is impressed by these words. He has everything he needs, and he throws it back to Vince. Uh, he then casually hands Razor Ramon the gold letter, and is like, oh yeah, this is for you, see ya. <laughs> and Todd just bails. Razor Ramon looks at Todd Pettengale, confused. Perhaps his inner monologue saying, Mang, Chico, you wrote me a note? That's weird, Mang. <laughs> Razor Ramon reads this. The words disgust him. He crumples up the paper, tosses it. He bails on the American Line chat room and leaves his most precious America Online Intercontinental Championship title behind. We then cut to the anuses of some pigs. Ha ha! There they are, ladies and gentlemen. A first for the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, here comes the big hog farmer from Bitters, Arkansas. Big Hank. Wait a minute, though. It's not. It's actually... Troubleshooting hog pen referee himself, Hillbilly Jim. All right, get down, get funky. Hillbilly Jim has a microphone. He starts to talk into the microphone, but Triple H's music cuts him off. However, I do note that Hillbilly Jim uh, does give a special high five to the superstar for a night closed captioning fan from earlier. A big night thus far for that youngster. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, yeah! What a ride! Even though they've been in this arena the entire night with the hog pen, uh, now is the time that Jerry the King Lawler pretends that he smells poop, and he's like, Big man, you smell that? All right, in any event, look out for the creatures! What? <laughs> All right, Vince, I will, I will look out for the creatures indeed. Here comes Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, imagine having a hog pen in... Your house. <laughs> he actually says that. Triple H, however, I want to give a lot of credit. He is brilliant coming down the aisle, doing his best William Regal impression. Like, this is this is ghastly. Uh, I, I smell this. It's terrible. Like, it's, it's really good facial shit, which is quite a strange sentence now that I've thought about it. Anywho, King notes that Triple H had pheasant under glass for dinner. And uh, if he keeps standing around those hogs, we just might see it. Vince responds, Pheasant under glass. Well, he just might be covered. He might be in that hog pen covered in slop. We get a close-up of a pig eating. Vince oinks twice. Here we go. Come on, pig. That's real. I, I want to make it clear. Any of the ludicrous shit that sounds like I'm adding it, it's probably something Vince actually said. And I believe that this match is Christmas for Vince McMahon himself. I have to believe this. Big Hank, the hog farmer from Arkansas, has two buckets of slop this go-around as he comes down the aisle. Uh, now, the rules of this uh, encounter is the match starts in the ring. The first person to be tossed into the hog pen loses. The hog pen, I know I've mentioned, but just in case, if you don't have a visual, it's a fenced-in area with barricades and fencing like that are you know close together, so the pigs can't run out of it. Okay, and there is indeed you know like pig shit 
along with the pigs, in this hog pen. Now that statement is twofold. I mean that inside the hog pen is the type of shit that you would have in a hog pen. Whatever that might be. And yes, there is indeed pig fecal matter in the hog pen in your house. The bell rings and here we go. Uh, the big hog farmer chases uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley outside. He's got a slot button. He threatens to toss. He does toss. And I think timekeeper Mark Eaton is the guy that gets tossed in front of Hunter Hearst Helmsley taking the slot bullet for him. Uh, but the front row gets slopped as well. My God, these poor people. Back inside the ring. Back! Body drop by Hank. And the crowd is oh so very silent. Silent night in your house. Triple H gets tied up in the ropes. Henry Godwin digs into his extra bucket of slop and rubs it all over Triple H's face. He gets a big hit. I'm going to puke. Oh, it's so fucking gross. It just, it just really is. Vince on the call. Yes! Now, there is a bit of an odoriferous here. <laughs> okay. It is a very boring match thus far. We get a Harley race knee by the big hog farmer. Okay, all right. I was just seeing if you all were paying attention. The, the Harley race knee is actually delivered, surprisingly, by Triple H. We then cut to the pigs in the hog pen. They are indeed sleeping, which is nice because that means they're comfortable and, you know, there's no sort of animal abuse happening here. Vince then tells a horrific lie on commentary as we view the aforementioned napping. Hi, knee there, as the hogs <laughs> take a little nap. Everyone else enjoying the match, except uh, the hogs aren't too interested. The fight breaks to the outside into the aisle, very close to the hog pen. Henry Godwin is ramming Hunter Hearst Helmsley into the railing. Hunter Hearst Helmsley takes a back bump in the entranceway. My goodness, Hunter Hearst Helmsley slamming down on the concrete floor. It's the brand synergy, folks. I love it. All right, get down, get funky on the big concrete. Henry Godwin gets a big whip and slams himself into the gate back first. One of the hogs, I notice, wakes up and runs away in fear. Hunter attempts a pedigree. No! Counter with a big back body drop, and oh my goodness! Hunter Hurst Helmsley almost tossed in, but lands on top of the gate. He is not in the gate. Or, excuse me, he's not in the hog pen. Uh, Hillbilly Jim confirms this by audibly saying, He's not in! He's not in! Hunter is now standing on the gate, balancing, Spider-Man-esque. He then jumps down and delivers a big elbow drop, and I appreciate that. It's some nice improv by the Greenwich Blue Blood. The crowd is still silent as these two athletes brawl back into the ring. During this entire match on commentary, the King is doing some Jeff Foxworthy gags that I'm not going to repeat because it's just lame and very 1995, but it's like, you might be from Bears, Arkansas if you're stupid, ah! you know, shit like that. Uh, back in the ring, though, Henry Godwin hits a big water maneuver slam. I call it that because Vince, of course, calls it water maneuver. Triple H then does a flare flop to the outside. Yes! The undefeated streak of Hunter Hearst Helmsley is going to come, I believe, to a screeching halt here in your house tonight. Yes! Wow! 
We got an in your house and a bunch of yeses there. Uh, I, you know, I'm starting to feel like Vince is okay. Maybe, maybe he's in a good spot. We'll see if it continues that way. Triple H then counters a slop drop near the hog pen by simply leaning forward. And Hank takes a big, stupid back bump on the concrete. King does more Jeff Foxworthy shit. He does one that I am going to repeat because, hilariously, Vince loses his shit. You know, if your two-year-old has more teeth than you, you might be from Bitters, Arkansas. I'm not from Bitters, Arkansas. What is this stuff? Bitters, Arkansas. The match going on. A grueling match. Uh, One of the most grueling this thing has turned out to be. No, listen to that. Now we get a little truth bomb from Vince McMahon. It is a grueling match, Vince. It's a grueling match to watch. But fans, even though, (laughs) ha ha, yeah, this match has Vince McMahon written all over it, I feel like at this point, he absolutely might be starting to fall back into depression. Here he is, a wrestling promoter, hosting a match where a big hog farmer is trying to throw his opponent into a hog pen full of pig shit. There is a fake house in the entranceway, and all night the fans have been chanting boring and ECW, and it's gotten even louder during this matchup. I'm not quite convinced he's in full depression. After all, he might be fighting through it because, ha-ha, there's pig shit. But still, given how much we know he hates the Southern wrestling thing, I don't know, maybe he sees this as a different thing. Though. Maybe it's like Big Top Circus Entertainment or something. I don't fucking know. But we will continue to track this as the night progresses. After all, it's why we're here. Hunter gets whipped into the gate now. The big difference from earlier, when Hank was whipped into the gate, is that Hunter has no shirt or overalls to protect his back. Hank then delivers a slop drop now right by the big uh, the big hog pen. I notice now there are wrestling mats by the hog pen for some reason. Well, safety is important, I guess. But what about Dean Douglas's back? Vince, you didn't care about that one. Triple H is up against the fence. The big hog farmer from Bitters, Arkansas charges. No! A big back body drop by Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and it is over! Hog is in the shit! He's in the pen! Vince audibly laughs on commentary. Like, no, he's not even doing, like, a thing or winding up for a big delivery. It's just as soon as Hank lands, he's like, ha <laughs> Like, it's an uncontrollable, involuntary laugh from Vince. Hunter gets his arm raised in victory by Hillbilly Jim, but pushes Hillbilly Jim out of disgust. Hillbilly Jim pushes back. Hunter turns his back on Hillbilly, and now I see it, folks. You see, fans, this entire match, I've been waiting to see the moment where Triple H gets the big slice cut on his back. Because uh, there's a little bit of a famous story here that I'll tell at the end. But for now, be aware that when Triple H was rammed into the gate, he sliced open his back something fierce. Henry Godwin now, from inside the hog pen, grabs Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And he has him up in a very slippery and dangerous military press position inside the hog pen. Vince, with the call, yes! 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 Drop him! The hog abides. Triple H lands face first. And we're on Peacock here. So the fake Don't Go Messing With A Country Boy song starts immediately at the exact second that Hunter's face lands in the poop. So on the original it would be like this. Boom! Don't go messing with the country boy, the country boy, the country boy. But we're on Peacock, so it's like this. Boom! 
And I mean, it's great production synergy. Like, I mean that. Like, it's fucking pretty goddamn funny, in my opinion. Hank then slaps the pigs, and they scatter and flee. And it looks kind of mean. They scurry around Triple H, and mud and shit fly onto Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And his cut is now completely covered in fucking pig mud and pig shit. Hillbilly Jim dances on the outside as Triple H then eats a body slam. Ha <laughs> ha! Hillbilly Jim, all right! Now, that's a real one, folks. I did not add that in for comedic purposes. Uh, Henry and Hillbilly Jim leave. Hunter stands up in the hog pen, and he uh, <clears throat> slips into the poop. He does this like three times, and each time he takes a back bump. Bad idea, Paul. Vince... Oh, man. He's all like, ha, 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 unbelievable. He can't believe it. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's face then eats a beverage cup as it slams hard into his face. A nice gift from the ECW faithful here in Pennsylvania. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, oh, my goodness. What else is going to happen tonight in your house? Who knows? Hunter Hearst Helmsley is covered. Yuck! Now, I I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Triple H did get an infection from this shit entering his body via the cut. Either that, or he spent the night at the hospital, like, getting preventative treatment just in case. Like, I don't remember what it is. But regardless, bad idea from Hunter, but... I guess, and I don't really believe this, like, I believe at some point the show must go on. Like, I do. Not, and I was going to make jokes here, but as I hear myself saying the show must go on, I'm talking about wrestling, please note that I'm not talking about horrendous things happening, the show must go on. Like, over the edge type stuff. Please. Okay? But I do get, as a performer, like, someone fucks up a line, you slip during a suplex, but everybody's okay. You know, the show, the show must go on. I believe that. But the audience isn't aware that the show means you slip and fall and take all these extra back bumps. So, Paul, maybe not the best idea, but it just goes to show. Like, Triple H gets a lot of shit. (laughs) I didn't even plan that. But, like, I know he's sort of getting this resurgence as, like, wrestling god. Not JBL, but, like, oh, you rehired all these people Vince hired. It's so much better now that you're in charge. And, like, great. Like, totally super great. But it's little stuff like this that goes to show, like, did you really have to come down on him so hard for the curtain call? Of course, coming down on him so hard did give us Stone Cold Steve Austin. It worked out okay in the end, but, like, Hunter is down. He's always been down. Sometimes he's held people down, but I don't know. A little bit of respect earned by Hunter Hearst Helmsley from a Johnny C in your house. We get a commercial for the 1996 Royal Rumble in Fresno, where some yuppies get all dressed up in tuxedos and fancy dresses. They watch the Royal Rumble, and they get into a fight. All right. Back at ringside now, Vince promises the most extraordinary Royal Rumble in history with folks you thought you'd never, ever see in the Royal Rumble. I'm sure he's probably talking about the man they call Vader. Well, perhaps Jake the Snake Roberts. Or perhaps Doug Gilbert. Or perhaps the squat team. Now let's have a look at Big Daddy Cool's new attitude. 
Ah, yes, Kevin Nash's awesome tweener run here towards the end of the uh, WWF days. It's black gloves only, kidsters, so buy yours now. Diesel's looking for vengeance against Owen Hart for injuring the Heartbreak Kid. Diesel also has been pushing some officials, destroying Rad Radford and randomly attacking Yokozuna. On way to this encounter, Todd says in the video, Diesel's been cleaning house. Owen Hart already in the ring. We must be running over on time due to all the interview-based shenanigans on this show. And oh no, fans, do we get sad Vince? Question mark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Big Daddy Cool is back already, and I would suggest that Shawn Michaels, wherever you are, I know you are watching in your house on pay-per-view. I know that you are watching your best friend about to come into the ring and face that man. The man that claims he puts you out of the World Wrestling Federation and a great deal of concern as to whether or not Shawn Michaels just might be out of action for good and we're going to have more on that later! Now you might wonder whether it was a sudden change of heart there at the end. It's because when Vince says, be out of action for good, his mood elevates because a big horn honks. Here's a man I believe that's going to give Owen Hart a real update. Fair enough, because here comes Big Daddy Cool. The king says, look at that kisser, McMahon. I don't think he smiled in a month. However, the going into the business for themselves closed captioner states that Jerry the King Lawler said, can I kiss her, McMahon? I don't think he smiled in a month. Maybe a sentence he's asked Vince before. Big Daddy Cool summons the pyro. Vince yells, yeah, here we go. Match starts and Diesel's very aggressive as he tosses Owen into the corner and delivers an onslaught of knee strikes. Diesel delivering those maneuvers. You know, I never thought a knee strike would be what a maneuvered, but hey, there's a first time for everything here in your home. A shit ton of pyro smoke is still here in the Hershey Park Arena. They need to turn on the fans. Owen gets tossed out of the ring and takes a walk. Vince gives us a hypothesis. I'm sure Owen Hart is sorry. Sorry for this matchup. And certainly sorry that he took credit for putting Shawn Michaels out. Because tonight, in your house, Owen Hart is paying a price as anyone would. This match is basically an excuse to get the new Diesel tweener character over. For some reason in the middle, Owen gets a heat segment where he works Diesel's legs. That went so well in the Great right, Great White North. Excuse me. It's probably a good idea to try it again. Owen hits the Insiguri. It gets no reaction. Not quite over yet, but that would all change eventually. Too much legwork in this match. I don't mean to sound redundant, but there is. It's only a four-minute match, for Christ's sakes. Diesel hits his comeback, delivers the jackknife, covers with one boot. One! Two! No. He takes his boot off of Owen. Looks like he's going for another jackknife. Tim White gets in Diesel's face. Diesel as a vicious World Wrestling Federation superstar would when they're threatened, pushes referee Tim White. Owen Hart wins via DQ. Diesel delivers the jackknife. Anyway, the crowd suddenly now seems awake because someone in the ring is actually fired up and doing shit that they don't expect. Vince declares that Diesel is the fan's winner. So, there you go. I guess it goes down in the record books that way. Nash is heading out to the back. Uh, match over. Ready to take a shower and have himself a Sunday in Hershey, and Vince suddenly 
lets his heart's true desires be known. Yes! Merry Christmas indeed to Shawn Michaels! Aw, they're a cute couple. The superstar line is still wide open. Ray Rougeau is with Hog, the big hog farmer, Hank. Sonny is with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, both men still covered in feces. Come on, man, take a shower. Vince is all ready to toss to our next matchup. But wait, I hear money, 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 money? Ted DiBiase is here. Well, his music is here, but in the aisle. Oh, yeah, Santa and Savio Vega. Yes, folks, Santa Claus and Savio Vega are handing out gifts in the aisleway. Savio Vega dons a Santa cap as well. Oh, there's Ted. I see him now. He's in the ring with a microphone. Ted is here to prove, big shocker, that everyone has a price. He then yells at Savio Vega. He yells, I laugh. He yells at Savio, I laugh at my phone. Because every time I type the word Savio, my phone has learned to capitalize every letter and add on an exclamation point. Savio doesn't believe that he can be bought, so Ted DiBiase invites him into the ring. Savio takes Ted DiBiase up on his offer and enters the ring. Vince is already distraught. Don't tell me that Savio Vega has sold out to Ted DiBiase. Santa decides to join his new Caribbean friend in the ring as well. Ted says right now millions of children around the world are watching In Your House and believing that Santa Claus will soon bring them presents. Ted finds all of this ludicrous. He then calls Santa big, fat, and ancient. He then throws concept at the fact that Santa couldn't possibly travel the globe and deliver toys to all these kids in just one evening. On commentary, Vince pleads with Ted DiBiase, Please, stop disparaging Santa Claus. Ted has one question for Savio. Do you believe in Santa Claus? Savio grabs the mic and according to our crazy closed captioner, says to Ted DiBiase, Spanish, million dollar man, Spanish, amigo Santa Claus. He then tells Ted that he's trying to destroy the magic of Santa Claus, he's trying to buy Savio Vega, but you can't destroy the magic of Santa Claus, and you can't buy Savio Vega because he doesn't have a price. Vince quickly interjects, All right, there you have it. But oh no, Savio Vega continues. He says, for all his friends, all the kids, and all the Latin American fans, Savio believes in the magic of Santa Claus. And that's a clever redirect there from Savio saying that he believes in the magic of Santa Claus. Oh, shit! I should have said, top of the show, spoilers for Santa Claus. Uh, Because, you know, of course, if Savio's out there like, I believe in Santa Claus, I mean, you're instant jobber, okay? Ted laughs. Ted says, if you believe in Santa Claus, then believe this. Oh, no! Santa Claus attacks Savio Vega with a toy bag. Vince is appalled. What is this? What do you mean? He bought Santa? No! That can't be the real Santa Claus. Say it's not so! I don't believe that's the real Santa Claus. Wait a minute! Savio Vega! Here comes back Savio! It's true. As Santa and Ted DiBiase flee to the aisleway, Savio attacks Santa Claus. And oh no! Savio has pulled off Santa's beard. And oh my goodness! I get a clear look! That's not Santa Claus! That's Santa Claus! You know, Santa's evil brother from the South Pole. Ted and Santa flee the scene. 
And ladies and gentlemen, here on Concrete Man, we give out the most prestigious awards in in your house-based entertainment at the end of each episode. The AEIOUs, the most amazing and quote, embarrassing quote, insane quote, outrageous quote, and unbelievable quote of the evening. Usually, five different quotes win this award, and as I mentioned, it happens at the end. But but ladies and gentlemen, and Aqua fans around the world, a little break with tradition. I am now going to give out the first ever AEIOU award to just one quote here in the middle of the show. And as Ted and Santa Claus run away, here is that quote. Vince declares, Can you believe what Ted DiBiase did? The desecration of Santa Claus in your house! Let's take you now to the Undertaker who's waiting in the wings. <laughs> oh my god. It's just, it's, it's amazing, embarrassing, insane, outrageous, and unbelievable. He's appalled of the desecration of Santa Claus in your house! Uh, but let's go ahead and just take you to the Undertaker who's waiting in the wings. You gotta sell. Always be closing is Vince McMahon's mantra, and I fucking love it. History being made all over the board here on Concrete Man within your house, season's beatings. Well, Vince did promise us the Undertaker, and here we go. We got a recap of the Taker versus Mabel saga. Mabel reveals to me that he's never spent a Tuesday in Texas when he errantly claims he's the first person to ever pin the Undertaker. We see that Mabel has stolen the remnants of the urn, according to Vince. Paul Bear then says the same thing, which means to me the phrase remnants of the urn has got Vince written all over it. Mark is, of course, in his purple taker of the opera phase at this point, so your you know mileage may vary on your appreciation of that one. Uh, we see that Sir Mo is now here in the arena pushing a casket covered in graffiti to the ring, and he's also got the remnants of the urn. Mabel's carried by his harem of jobbers. Vince has uh, other things on his mind, however. Ladies and gentlemen, standing by Doc Hendricks and Doc... You must be appalled with some of the events that are going on here in your house. <laughs> Doc's like, yeah, I am appalled, Vince, but I got some shit to shill. Uh, let me help you with your Christmas shopping. He's got WrestleMania the arcade game for the PlayStation, Sega Genesis, and the Super Nintendo. Check this out, folks. Sony PlayStation, 1995, revolutionary technology. $54.99 for the PlayStation version, $64.99 for the Genesis, and $69.99 for the Super Nintendo. Unbelievable. You saw this during various stages of the PlayStation versus N64 wars because cartridges are just more expensive to make. They have more overhead. So N64 games were always at a higher price point than Sony PlayStation games. But seeing a, Gen uh, excuse me, a Super Nintendo game be $15 higher than a PlayStation game feels like highway robbery. Doc claims these games are sold out in stores. He went to 10 stores and couldn't find any of them. If you buy it, they're again tossing in a free video. However, this time it's not a random blank tape. It's a $15 value of a videotape that's tips and strategies for WrestleMania the arcade game. Back in the arena, Vince warns us this casket match will be no arcade game. And oh my, here he comes! The Undertaker does his usual Undertaker intro shit. Mo taunts the man from the dark side with the remnants of the urn, and here we go! 
Mabel attacks early. Taker counters with some pure strikes. Mabel does some power slamming moves, like he tosses Taker around and, you know, lands on him, and it makes it look intense because Mabel's kind of big. But Taker sits up after each slam. He's not here to sell anything for the Kingster. At one point, Vince yells, Mo! When talking about Sir Mo, the crazy closed captioner strikes again and says that Vince yelled, Owen! So, okay. Whatever. Look, this match is really bad, in my opinion. At one point, Mabel hits an Ultimate Warrior Splash, and Vince yells, Forget about it! Mo then takes the carcass of the Undertaker and deadlifts the motherfucker, carries him over to the casket, and dumps him in. Nice fucking strength here by Mo. Now, now I see, though, that Mo was wearing the remnants of the urn as a necklace, so that must be where he got this power. He, however, forgets to close the lid of the casket. Mo, unaware of his blunder. Mabel, inside the ring. Mabel puts the crown on. Oh, yeah, he's dancing. What a ride. Get down, get funky. Mabel does indeed hit his patented King Mabel dance maneuvers. Uh, Mabel decides, though, that he'll kill two birds with one stone when he sees the casket lid is still open. He'll dance over to the casket and shut the lid. He goes to close, but no, he's alive. Undertaker pops out of the casket, strikes with more pure strikes, hits a shitty choke slam. Taker then kicks Mabel through the ropes. Mo attempts to strike with the remnants of the urn. Taker throws Mo into the casket with Mabel. He goes to shut the lid, but no. First, he claims the remnants of the urn, slams the lid shut, and it's over. Vince declares that the Undertaker is once again at full power. Yes! He, he does yell that. In the back, it's Jim Ross for an interview. He's got Jim Cornette, the British Bulldog, and Diana Hart-Smith, who tonight is dressed like a candy cane. The Bulldog says, Tonight, in your house, I'm going to win the World Wrestling Federation title. Todd Pentengale is with Bret Hart. He cuts a lame Bret Hart promo. Well, you know, basically, you go going in the match with the same ideals that you always do, and I'm going to show them the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The British Bulldog makes his entrance. The King has trouble saying the words WWF Champion. Now, I hear the music of the Hitman. Oh, yeah, and look who's knocking on the door. Open up, folks, and let him in. Well, it's not Bray Wyatt. It is indeed the hitman. Brett enters the arena. He gets his pyro. The camera goes to a nice wide shot. Vince with the verbal orgasm. Take a look at this capacity crowd. All the way around 360 degrees and jam-packed. The Hershey Park Arena, ladies and gentlemen, will have the privilege of being in your house on pay-per-view. Uh, Brett gives a Christmas present to a kidster by bequeathing him his sunglasses. The King claims that the British Bulldog is wearing the same tights he wore at Wembley Stadium. A quick Google search confirms. That is a bullshit statement. Bell rings, and here we go. So, so I know that this is a good match, okay? I have been told this before. Remember, Concrete Man is the fun show. So I will focus on Vince as a commentator holding up his end of the bargain. 
Unless, of course, I somehow, for some crazy reason, get caught up in this match. But it's Bret Hart. How good can it really possibly be? The match has started. Vince lets us know that, yikes, last Friday was a big 80th birthday celebration for Stu Hart. I bet that was fun. Uh... Here in 2022, I'm wearing some nice headphones, and I can hear some spots being called early. One minute into this match now, Vince has said unquestionably twice, so, so far, so good. Oh my god, Jim Cornette, folks, he has a Santa racket. His his tennis racket is dressed like Santa Claus. I don't know any way to describe it, but I actually think it kind of works. We get an ECW chant. Vince! Upon seeing Jim Cornette's racket, yearns once again for the hopes that Santa has not sold out. At one point, Bret Hart lunges at Jim Cornette. He kind of faints at him like, what? And Cornette's like, oh, did you see that? He's trying to kill me. Diana cheers on the British Bulldog via split screen as Bulldog takes control. Now, I'm actually going to get serious here. A very unique scenario occurs. Brett is in the tree of woe, and the bulldog is punching him, beating on him. Earl Hepner goes in close to start a referee admonishment spot. You know, where the referee goes in close, he's like, come on, you gotta get out of there. One, two. As this admonishment is starting, bulldog is punching, and he kind of, you know, reaches back, and, and Earl just eats bulldog fist, okay? The bulldog nails him, and Earl is down. Now, One could say, oh my god, that's a huge botch. I mean, okay, it's not really a huge botch, like fucking blowing a shooting star press at WrestleMania, but let me me try to put this in context. The British Bulldog is the heel, and this is kind of a weird statement as well, but wrestling has rules. I mean, it has rules that you adhere to when you're out there performing, okay? And a heel hitting the ref is like instant DQ and there's kind of no way around it. But massive credit to British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith here because Davey plays it off so well. Even though he's the heel, he immediately notices that he's hit Earl accidentally. Like accidentally in character and accidentally the person he's done this. And, And he goes right over and he helps Earl up. And instead of coming across as like Bulldog trying to fix the botch, it comes off as British Bulldog doing a heelish suck-up to the referee. Like, oh, are you okay, Mr. Earl? I'm sorry, uh, but I didn't mean to do that. Uh, Please don't DQ me. And I believe that the Bulldog is actually in this match, in the heat of the moment, like, oh, please, Mr. Earl. Like, he's the bad guy. And being the bad guy sometimes means sucking up to people to get your way. And that's what he's doing. He helps Earl up. You know, sorry about that. And because the Bulldog in this match hasn't yelled at the ref for anything, he hasn't cheated yet, like, none of that shit has happened, it's it's good. It comes across as a work. Like, as part of the match. So, good job, Davey. I believe that, and I'll die on that hill. Jim Cornette then verbally checks on the ref, and the King's like, Hey, I can be the guest referee! So, that adds a little bit more of layers to it. It just works. It's an accident, but it works. Listen to this crowd, McMahon! They are silently behind the Bulldog! King says that, and it is funny, because obviously they're not cheering for the Bulldog. Unfortunately, right as he says this, I kind of give a little little listen in to the audience to hear if they're booing, and they are indeed chanting ECW. Wait a minute, though, friends. Uh, I've just been handed a note. 
Shawn Michaels has left the building. No, that's not what it was. Vince says he gets a note handed to him that says the Undertaker has been awarded the number one contendership for the Royal Rumble. You mean to tell me a big company like this is using notes to pass critical information? It's 1995, I know, but they still have headsets on. Couldn't he be like, I'm being, I'm being told something in my headset? Back in the match, Racket Claws gets involved when he gives Bret Hart a little love tap. The king says, ha Santa came early! And that sounds like a Val Venus joke to me. I wonder if he made that one. Bret has Bulldog in the corner now, and he's giving him really hard shoulder strikes to Davy Boy Smith. And Davy is making some noises. And thankfully, we do have some amateur audio that was captured live on the scene. Oh! Oh, Mr. Hitman! Oh! British Bulldog then hits a back body drop. Vince yells, back body drop! Once again, this crazy close captioner strikes, and it's called inaudible. Brett then hits the British Bulldog with a bulldog. Can you imagine that the bulldog was bulldogged? No, he really said that. Up top for a superplex. No! Shades of the wrestling classic as Brett gets pushed off and completely racks himself on the top rope. And, and you know what? I reviewed the wrestling classic British Bulldog match over on the North South Connection Podcast Network, so I am quite aware that dick trauma can end a match. Outside now, Hershey wants tables, as they chant, we want tables. The British Bulldog throws Bret Hart face first into the steel steps. Bret seems to be touching his face quite a bit. I, I wonder if he's okay. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, oh. oh. <laughs> I, I see. <laughs> Uh, is anyone out there thirsty? Because I'd been more, I'd be more than happy to offer you some juice. Bret Hart gets to his knees, and a pool of blood instantly forms when he lifts his head. Wowzers! Did this fucker hit a vein or something? The reaction on commentary to this is tremendous. The context here being that the King is sort of an old school Memphis wrestler, and at this point, Vince McMahon is like the crusty old Dean. You know, he's the owner of the company. He's got to keep things clean. Uh, the king is the first person to speak. He says, Oh! Vince responds, What's this? And uh, I'm not so certain that Bret Hart uh, has not been completely... He's busted wide open, McMahon! Ha ha ha! Unfortunately, Vince then pauses. And it's a perfect spot to pause given retrospect, because the crowd erupts into an ECW chant at the side of this. So it's doing all the work for me, Vince. Just lay out. This is actually love. I'm enjoying this quite a bit, this match at this point. Between the British Bulldogs' elegant heel save of the botch, Jim Cornette being a hilarious manager on the outside with the Santa racket, the crowd rebelling against the match, then buying into it, Vince's fear of blood on his kid's television show, Surprisingly, the Bulldog and Brett are entertaining me. I I like it. We get a he's hardcore chant from the front row. Even Diana's bringing her A game as we cut to her in like a split screen and she wipes a tear away from her eye. We don't see see a tear, but, you know, she wipes a tear away. I don't know. It's just good timing. Vince, though, decides to join the Department of Damage Control straight from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and asks that we please keep our cameras in a wide shot. So no close-ups. 
The British Bulldog dominates this portion with some power moves that do feel more impactful because of the blood squirting out of the hitman's skull. I'm not advocating for blood for blood's sake, but since it is Aquatober, Halloween's coming up and on my brain, I am going to allow this serendipitous brand synergy here on Concrete Man. Holy fuck, later the crowd goes crazy when Brett locks in the sharpshooter out of nowhere. It, you know what? Seriously, Brett is the victim of a bow and arrow. He's the victim of this submission move. He rolls and flips right out of it and then just immediately goes sharp. I, it, it's pretty fucking impressive. Bulldog immediately powers out of it, though, so it's just a hope spot. And, and at this point, I'm, I'm ready to concede that this match is easily the best thing to ever grace the screen of a Concrete Man episode. Uh, the mat is now stained with blood. Moments later, Brett reverses a suplex attempt from the outside in and hits a goddamn snap German suplex on the bulldog, the man's neck. Does no one care for this man's well-being? The bulldog gets tossed outside. The mats at this point are covered in gold dust, blood, and slop. It's gross. Bulldogs on the outside in pain like, oh. Cornette runs to his side and he's like, Davey! It's just pretty funny. Moments later, though, the British Bulldog has Brett up and hits a power slam on the outside. Davey then goes to the other side of the ring, pulls up one of the mats, and ladies and gentlemen, we've got some cold, hard concrete. Brett saves himself, though, by giving the British Bulldog some dick trauma of his own and slamming his junk down onto the steel security railing. Back inside, Brett hits variants of the five moves of Doom. The Bulldog is set up on the top rope for a TOP ROPE SUPERPLEX! Wow, that was actually really cool. Both men dazed, confused. Manistral cradle out of nowhere! One, two, three. And the Hitman returns. Well, you know what, Mr. Hitman? It is the holiday season, so I will say not too shabby. No time to enjoy any of this, though, as Vince hypes The Undertaker coming up for an interview. Stand by, because in your house, Extra is coming up. Well, Vince wasn't lying. The In Your House cartoon graphic is back. He's outside of the house. He starts to pulsate and shake. He, he is a she, because the in Your House logo gives birth to the word extra. Wow. Paul Bear and The Undertaker have the remnants of the urn with Todd Pettengale. Diesel enters the fray, though, and he is pissed. You see, earlier in the night, Diesel motioned around his waist for the WWF Championship, just like The Undertaker did, and now there's going to be a rumble. Uh, Nash says, stop dodging me. Taker says, I don't dodge anybody. If it has to be, it has to be. And the season's beatings are complete. Wow. What a pay-per-view. It had one really good match and so much ridiculous, crazy shenanigans. I'm thinking, Vince is going to be having himself a hell of a Christmas holiday with a smile on his face that things went okay. But back
back in the world of In Your House Seasons Beatings. We get our highlight video. So as we say goodbye here on Concrete Men, let's remember the tremendous moments that made up the Seasons Beatings variant of In Your House. Goldust loves Razor Ramon. Santa! A gold CD! Snowballs! Pigs! The Undertaker! You fake! Oh, Hunter herself says rolling around in shit! Merry Christmas! John Michaels! That's gotta be Santa Claus! Undertaker with the remnants of the urn! Yes! 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 Unquestionably, ladies and gentlemen, the craziest in your house of all time. We thank you for the privilege of being cold, hard, concrete. Hey!